You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. I was just going to say, you know, before I get into the service, you know, I'm always so thankful for our church, and, you know, in so many ways, and today was just a great example of, you know, again, one of the reasons why I'm so thankful. We had a, a younger guy that was here at first service, and it was his first time here, and uh, after the sermon, I usually kind of go back uh, to the back there, and, and he came up to me right away. He was sitting back in the very back there, and uh, just kind of started sharing, you know, how he was really kind of struggling uh, with some darkness and just really felt like the enemy uh, was just really, you know, heavy on him and you know, just wanted to know, you know, do we believe, you know, that th- there are things like that, you know, uh, dark spirits and things like that. And I said, oh, we, we take that very serious here. And um, so I could just kind of, I could, you could kind of just see that the heaviness and the darkness on him. And uh, so we brought him up and we kind of prayed for him and man, God just delivered him. And it was just wonderful watching just, I mean, the, the tears just started flowing out of this kid. I mean, the carpet's probably still wet up here. And he just, I mean, just sobbed and, and prayed over him. And there were a number of people that kind of came up um, and just laid hands on him and was just praying over him. And then when, it, when we were done, I mean, he just looked up and just, I mean, the beaming smile on this kid's face uh, is, was worth it all. You know, it just, it makes me so happy and so joyful to know that we have a church that um, believes in the power of prayer. We have a church that believes in the power of God's word to set people free. We have people you know, who believe uh, in, in giving through their tithes and offerings because you know, without that, we wouldn't have a place like this where people can come to be set free. And so I just want you to understand the power of your giving. I mean, when you can begin to see lives like that changed and impacted, it's like, man, it makes it all worth it. Um, and now he wants to be baptized. I mean, I was just like, ah, oh, that is so incredible. I wanted to set the baptismal up right then and there and do it, but it takes a lot more time than we would have had. But again, it's just exciting when you see God working in people's lives. And again, oftentimes, you know, sometimes if you're not here when, when that kind of thing's happening, again, I just want you to understand the power and the impact that we're having uh, in the community when you see people like that, you know, just being... Uh, absolutely set free. So it's just awesome. So I just wanted to share that with you just as a way of encouragement uh, in what God is doing uh, through you and just through your giving and your prayers and just your support of the church. It's just awesome uh, to see that. You know, when I talk with people, you know, who really kind of sometimes doubt or maybe they question, they're wondering, you know, about uh, the truth or the authenticity of Christianity. Uh, one of the evidence sometimes I'll kind of give them is just the extraordinary fact that Christianity and the church survived for over 2,000 years. And, and not just survived, but they thrived uh, and really starting from practically nothing. By any calculation, I mean, the odds against the New Testament church that really started off with about 120 people actually making it is just astronomical. Usually any type of movement 
that, that endures and thrives, either has you know, political power, military might, they have financial resources, or the backing of the majority of people, do you realize the early New Testament church had none of that? The early church had no formal organization, no buildings, no government recognition, no political backing, and many considered the members of Christianity kind of as a part of a crazy cult. And so for nearly three centuries, members of the Christian, the New Testament church, were pretty much powerless. I mean, they, they were social outcasts. They were oftentimes under great persecution. They were in deep poverty and often physically tortured. And yet, they didn't just survive by the skin of their teeth. They prospered, thrived, and grew. Their numbers exploded, as we talked about last week, not just by addition, but their numbers multiplied. And be they became this gigantic magnet that began to draw people from every race, every color, every socioeconomic group like wildfire. And so we've been in this series called Magnetic, and we've been looking at what is it that makes a church or should make a church magnetic, attractive, and winsome. And so far in this series, we've kind of identified what I would call two magnetic markers. And the first magnet is what we kind of identified as crazy love. And Jesus said, when we love one another... Like God the Father loved Jesus, and, and the way Jesus loves us, people would know by that kind of love that we are his disciples, and hopefully that love would, would draw them into a relationship that they would become disciples to. Last week we talked about that second thing that, that makes a church so magnetic and attractive and winsome, and that was the idea of straight talk. That whenever the word of God is preached and taught in the early church, and wherever the word of God was prioritized above all else, we see that the church would grow, not just in numbers, but in spiritual depth and in their relationship with God. And so the church, the early New Testament church, focused first and foremost on the preaching and teaching of God's word. Today, I want to look at what I believe is the third magnet that makes both a Christian and a church magnetic. Because again, remember, a magnetic church is simply a church that is made up of magnetic people. An attractive, winsome church is a church that is made up of attractive and winsome people. Now, one of the unbelievable things the early church had going for it and leveraged and used to draw people to the Christian faith was their extravagant generosity. The early Christians, you'll have to understand, they had very little, but they gave a lot from the little they had. They didn't just minister to themselves, they ministered to others. Back in those days, they fed the hungry, they clothed the poor, they even buried the dead of unbelievers. They started the first meals on wheels, and by the end of the second century, they were feeding more than 1,500 uh, hungry and destitute people every day. So the question I want to look at today is, what motivated the church to live 
with such open hands. Where did the early church get this idea of giving the way they gave? And how did they build this culture of extravagant generosity? And so for that today, I want to look at probably the most generous church in Christian history. Again, it's a church most of us are not familiar with. It is a church that became magnetic and famous in its own community for their reputation of extravagant generosity. And if you have your Bibles with you, I would invite you to open to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Again, most of us have never really heard much about this church. It was a church that was located in a place called Macedonia, so it became the Macedonian church. And Macedonian was a a Roman province lying just northeast It was located in a very pagan setting. It was a place that was very, very hostile to Christianity. It was a church that was not only under persecution, but it was also a church that was in deep poverty. And times were bad everywhere. There was a global economic downturn that took place and worldwide depression at this time was going on. And one of the hardest hit places uh, was the city of Jerusalem. And so the apostle Paul, he kind of takes upon himself uh, to go around to all of the various churches in that area, and he was taking up an offering so he could take that back and give it to uh, the, the needy believers there in the city of Jerusalem. And so as Paul's going and visiting all of these various churches, one of the churches uh, that he goes to was the church at Corinth. And, And he went there to see what they might be able to contribute because Corinth was one of the more prosperous and well to do cities. And this very particular church in Corinth was able to give like no other. However, for some reason, this church in Corinth uh, was reluctant, and they kind of wanted just to hold on to the resources they had. So Paul goes to this church there in Corinth, and he begins to tell them about this amazing Macedonian church who insisted on giving to the offering when they really had nothing to give. And what Paul discovers is these Macedonian Christians, uh, they were rich in in things that money couldn't buy. They were rich uh, in in a way most rich people didn't have. And whatever they had, all that they had, they they seemed to just hold it out with open hands and, and ready to give to anyone in need. How they did it was revolutionary. So I briefly just want to share with you three ways this Macedonian church understood and and embraced extravagant generosity, and hopefully it will challenge us both individually and corporately to be extravagant in our giving as well. First thing, this Macedonian church, they understood the gift of grace, Again, remember, Paul is trying to motivate the Corinthian church to be generous with what they had. 
And one of the ways Paul does this is by bringing up the example of the church in Macedonia. And there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, it reads, and, and this is Paul again, he, he's speaking to the church in Corinth, and he's speaking about the church in Macedonia. And he says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Now, now why does Paul call attention to the grace that God had given that particular church? God had also given the church there in Corinth grace. And, and again, you cannot have a real church apart from the grace of God. Again, there was something very special, very unique about these Macedonian Christians because God had not only caused his grace to fall on them in a powerful way, but this Macedonian church, I mean, they understood it. They embraced it. This Macedonian church was powerfully transformed because of it. And we know this because of what Paul says next in verse 2. He says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme Poverty welled up in rich generosity. What an amazing statement. This Macedonian church was developing a reputation among other churches, among other people outside the church because they were willing, they were committed to giving to those who had need even though they themselves were under extreme persecution and extreme poverty. They weren't affluent. They were afflicted. They were not a prosperous church. They were a poor church. And even though for them survival was a great accomplishment, they were unbelievably joyful and incredibly generous. As a matter of fact, Paul calls it there in verse 2, a rich generosity. They weren't rich but Paul says, oh, were they generous. That shows us something right there. You don't have to be rich to be generous. You don't. Oftentimes, we think that, you know, uh, you know, the richest people are the most generous. You don't have to be rich to be generous. Generosity is not measured by how much you give, but by how you give, why you give. The attitude, the motivation behind your giving is what is more important than the amount you give. This is exactly the very point Jesus made with the widow there in Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 41. And there it says, and Jesus sat down opposite the treasury. And it says he's watching the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And then there comes this poor widow, and she puts in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And Jesus called his disciples to him. And he said to them, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. And again, this was reflective of the heart of the people in the Macedonian church. So why were they so generous? 
because again, they understood the gift of grace. They understood and they acknowledged how generous God had been to them. This is why they were so full of joy because grace brings gladness. When we finally, again, understand when when we embrace the gift of God's grace and how God's grace has really blessed us, how his favor is upon us, we cannot help but be joyful and generous. And I believe one of the ways God's grace manifests itself in our lives is through giving. Both in what God has given to us, his grace is manifested. What we give to him, what we give to others, his grace is manifested as well. I believe giving is a visible sign of God's invisible grace. Giving is a visible manifestation of God's invisible grace. If you would like to know just how much of God's grace you've really experienced, here's a question you can ask yourself. What kind of a giver am I? Because grace is all about giving. And when you understand and you appreciate and you embrace the gift of grace the way you should, you will celebrate it by giving, by being generous to others in need. You cannot begin to understand God until you begin to understand his grace because God is a God of grace. Grace, again, it's simply God giving to us what we do not deserve. And and I believe everybody, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, every one of us are beneficiaries of God's grace every single day, whether we realize it or not, whether we recognize it or not, whether we believe it or not. I mean, God gives us another day of life to live. He didn't have to. God created this world. He created everything in it. But he didn't have to. God created you and I in his image and in his likeness, but he didn't have to. God sent his son Jesus to die upon a cross for our sins, but he didn't have to. God offers every one of us an opportunity to be forgiven of our sins, to receive eternal life, to, you know, to go to heaven uh, one day, but he didn't have to. And God does this and more because he is a God of grace. And one of the ways his grace is manifested is by giving. When we truly embrace that, When we understand that, we will want to be generous people. We will want to be extravagant givers. And when a church is gracious and generous, again, it will understand the gift of grace. The second thing is they desired the privilege of giving. This is what is so amazing to me is they desired They earnestly desired the privilege of giving. Again, I don't know that I've ever seen uh, or heard of another church like this church in Macedonia. Remember, the Macedonian church, uh, they're already under great persecution. They're they're living in extreme poverty. And, And in fact, somebody should have been taking up an offering to give to them. 
Again, that word poverty in verse 2, in the the Greek language, it refers to a beggar that has nothing and no hopes of getting anything. So this was a a church that was basically full of, of beggars. And frankly, again, because of the economy at that time, it was a bad time to ask anybody to give anything. It was a terrible time to take up an offering. The stock market's down. The economy had tanked. Jobs were scarce. The price of firewood was going up. The unemployment rate was growing. And the church had plenty of good, solid reasons why they should have been excused from giving in this particular offering. I mean, if the church had begged off and said, we can't do it this time, everybody would have completely understood. Then we read again in verse 3 again, Paul is talking about this church in Macedonia. And he said, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Now, it's one thing to give what you're able to give, but boy, it's a whole different level of sacrifice when you begin to give beyond your ability to give. How do you do this? How can anybody give beyond their ability? I mean, stop and think about that. Here's the way most of us give. We kind of give according to our ability, We kind of calculate what we have, what we want to have left over, and then we'll give what we think we can afford to give. And and you know, when we do that, we are depending on ourselves. That's true. When you give beyond your ability, or as the Spirit of God is leading you to give, you know what, you are depending not on yourself, You've shifted now to depending upon God and you're listening to him and his voice and not you and your bank account. Again, it all goes back to grace. The grace of God will move you from doing what you think you can do by sight to what you believe God can do through faith. That's a big difference. Let me say that one more time. The grace of God Because again, it all goes back to grace. The grace of God will move you from doing what you think you can do based upon sight to what you believe God can do through faith. That was the Macedonian church. Now again, if I just stop the story right there, you would agree with me that this really is an unbelievably unique, one-of-a-kind church. But it's really the next part of the story that just will kind of make your head shake. And again, some of you may find this difficult to believe. But I want you to listen as verse 3 continues. And again, Paul's speaking about this church in Macedonia. He said, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded. Some of your translations will say begged with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. That's amazing. They begged, they urgently pleaded with Paul, please let us be a part of this offering that you're taking up for those poor believers in Jerusalem. Because evidently, Paul had tried to excuse them from this offering. 
You know, it, it sounds like Paul maybe even actually tried to discourage them from giving. You know, apparently Paul had gone to them and said, you know what, in, in, in view of everything that's going on here, the, the, the persecution, the extreme poverty, please don't give. We're not asking you to give because I know you can't afford it. You're hurting enough as it is. You can barely feed your families. You can barely keep your head above water. Don't even think about giving to this particular offering. So Paul had gone to this church in Macedonia not to ask them to give, but to ask them not to give. He understood they were under persecution. There was extreme poverty throughout the church, and Paul's trying to let them off the hook. And the amazing thing is, they would not take no for an answer. They were begging Paul, please let us get in on this. They weren't begging to get out of it. They were pleading to get into it. How do you explain that? I mean, they had to see giving not as a duty, but as a delight. They had to see giving not as a burden, but as a blessing. And again, I love the way Paul writes this. He said, they urgently pleaded, begged with us for the privilege, the opportunity of sharing and you got to be asking this question. Where did they ever get that kind of an attitude? Why would they want to give bread to somebody else when they could hardly put bread on their own tables? Why would they want to give to others when they themselves were so much in need and could make, barely make their own ends meet? Again, it was because of a third quality that I'm going to share with you that will make you a generous person and make you a generous church. Third thing is they saw the benefits, they saw the blessings of generosity. When you learn this last thing about the church that I'm going to share with you, you're going to go, now I understand why they were so generous. I, I see now the attitude they held that enabled them to be such extravagant givers. Listen to this from verse 5. And, and again, Paul speaking to the church there in Corinth about this Macedonian church, and Paul said, and they, the Macedonian church, exceeded our expectations. And here's the secret. He said, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. Now that, that phrase, first of all, does not mean first in time, but first in importance. The reason why giving everything that Macedonian church had was not hard for them was because they had already given God something far greater than what they had. They had given, they had surrendered themselves to God who they were first and foremost. Because you see, it's far easier to give anything you have when you're already surrendered and you've already given to God everything you are and everything you have. These Macedonian Christians had learned there is something so freeing about extravagant giving. Do you realize generous giving will absolutely free you from greed, from selfishness? 
Generous giving will free you from self-centeredness and materialism. In fact, if you're here today and, and you would say to yourself, you know what, I'm addicted to buying I'm addicted to getting, I'm addicted to accumulating stuff. I'm gonna tell you, there's only one solution, there's only one cure for that, and that is extravagant, generous giving. This church, these Macedonian Christians, they saw the benefits, they saw the blessings of generosity because think about what happened. What were the results of their giving? Babies survived because without them, those, those babies, they would have been aborted or, or they would have been, again, you know, just left to die on their own. Poor people were clothed, hungry people were fed, homeless people were sheltered, sick people were, were cared for, lives were saved, the gospel was preached, and people were transformed because of this little, poverty-stricken, persecuted Macedonian church who decided that they deliberately wanted to be magnetic through prosperous, generous, extravagant giving. Let me just ask you this question. Am I only tipping God? Are you only tipping God? And do you know the only difference between a tipper and a tither? Grace. The only difference between a getter and a giver? Grace. The difference between someone who wants to get out of an offering and someone who wants to get in on an offering is grace. Because see, a heart full of grace leads to Hands that are open, hearts that are open. And and it was this open-handed, open-hearted generosity that as much, if not more than anything else, made that particular church and the New Testament church so magnetic, so attractive, so winsome that it just drew in other people and their numbers exploded. So let me just ask you, Are you a generous person? Do do you see yourself as an extravagant giver? Do you see yourself as an extension, as a manifestation of God's grace through the way you give? And as you think about this message, just some other questions. How? How could you be more generous this year with what God has blessed you with? Who? Who maybe around you has a greater need that that you could meet or or that you could maybe go out and just find someone that that God would use you to be a blessing to? When? I mean, if not now, when are you going to start? I would say to you the best time to start in being a generous, extravagant giver is now. Now. And then lastly, what? What are you gonna do with the grace of God? If God's grace is clearly manifested through giving, what are you gonna do with that grace of God? Let me just close with this story. 
in AD 133, Aristides, and I talked about him a couple of weeks ago, was defending Christianity to the emperor at that time. And the emperor asked Aristides this one question. He said, I want you to go and I want you to look at this group of Christians and I want you to come back and tell me why are their numbers growing so quickly? What is it about them that's causing this rapid growth of the church? And so Aristides goes and here's the report he brings back to the emperor. He says, O king, Christians have the commandments of the Lord Jesus Christ himself engraven on their hearts. They despise not the widow and grieve not the orphan. He that haveth distributeth liberally to him that haveth not. If they see a stranger, they bring him under their roof and they rejoice over him as if it were their own brother. I, if they hear that any of their numbers is imprisoned or impressed for the name of their Messiah, all of them provide for his needs and if it is possible that he may be delivered, they deliver him. If there is among them a man that is poor and needy and they have not an abundance of necessity, they fast two or three days that they may supply the needy with their necessary food. He says, for Christ's sake, they are ready to give up their own lives. This was that church in Macedonia This was the grace of God manifesting. And I believe even the most generous among us will probably look back on our lives and wish we had given more. I believe the richest being in this universe is the God who owns everything. And it was that God that gave all that he had. And not all that he had, but also the very best of what he had. And God demonstrated his greatest and best gift when he gave to us Jesus Christ. Let's commit ourselves, let's commit our church to being like that Macedonian church in both the attitude, in the spirit, and in the abundance in which they gave and shared their lives with those in need. Amen? Let's stand together this morning. I just want to encourage uh, our church. I I believe we are a very generous and and we are a very giving church. But I also feel like no matter how giving or how generous we are, we can never ever reach a place in our giving. We can never reach a place in our generosity where we kind of feel like we're done. We've arrived. We we really can't or, or don't need to go any further. We always, I think, need to be striving uh, to do more, to give more, to sacrifice more, to surrender uh, more, uh, and not, not just in what we have, but again, first and foremost, in who we are. And so this morning, I wanna just pray that as we kind of come into a a new year, that again, we would be like that Macedonian church that we would first and foremost just give ourselves to God Surrender all that we are to God. 
And then just ask God to use us, to use the resources, the, uh, the, the blessings that God has given into our lives. And again, just be open and just ask God, God, are there ways that, that I can, can take what you've given and, and begin to share that uh, with others in need to be a blessing um, because you've blessed me so greatly. And so I want to just pray. That, that God would just continue to give us a, a, a heart as individuals, a heart as a church. Again, just to be generous, extravagant givers. Father, again, we just thank you. And God, we are so grateful for all that you have given to us, all that you have blessed us with. And again, God, uh, even the Bible says that, that uh, God, we're to be thankful for the means that you have given to us to acquire wealth. So, Father, we thank you again, Lord, just for the abilities, the talents that you have given, that you have instilled in us, God, that we're able to acquire wealth. We thank you for that. And, God, we also thank you, Lord, that you call us to first and foremost surrender ourselves to you. So God, this morning, may, may we go to a new level in that. If there are areas maybe within ourselves, God, that we're holding back. Again, God, we just pray by your spirit, God, that you would free us. Free us in those areas where we need to be freed. That it would enable us to give ourselves more fully and more completely to you. And then, God, as we look at all that we have, God, again, we pray that your spirit would again just speak and lead and guide us. That, Lord, we would see all these resources again as an opportunity to manifest and to make known your grace to those that are in need. So, God, we want to see your grace manifested upon this earth, manifested through this church, manifested in this city and this surrounding area. We want to see your grace manifested through our giving. And again, God, as I acknowledged at the beginning of this sermon, seeing, God, the impact, the results of your grace upon the lives of people this morning, Father. We thank you for that. And God, we ask, Lord, that you would just, uh, again, just uh, cause that thing to happen, the gift of salvation, of deliverance, uh, that, Father, that would, would, again, just be manifested upon more and more people. And, God, that we understand that we have this place we have all that we have to be able to do what you've called us to do. All of that is a means of your grace, and that comes through giving, through sacrifice. And so, Father, we want to continue to be a church where your grace is manifested, manifested through our giving of ourselves and all that we have. And, Father, we again just thank you for that example that, God, you gave all that you have. You gave the best that you had in your son, Jesus Christ. And, Father, we are grateful for that gift of grace in our lives. We're, we're thankful for that gift of grace in the life of this city. And we just ask, God, that that grace would continue to increase and be in abundance. And we just thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.